afternoon, everyone. It's uh, another Saturday, another Saturday afternoon, another Saturday afternoon with Woods and Water, South Carolina. Wake up, co-host. I'm awake. Okay. Busy, aren't you? Just a wee bit. Don't have time to hunt or fish, do you? I had a little spree of available hunting time, and that's going to be gone for the next two weeks. But after Thanksgiving, or after the first week in December, mm. you're out of school, aren't you? Mm. And I'll be officially certified. It's almost here. Almost. Ow. <laughs> Ow. Watch that. You have to doctor on your own self before you doctor on somebody else. Yeah. Uh-huh. Seriously, though, when you finish up this thing, you got time off before these, before Christmas. Yep. So we can hit the fields. Yes, we can. And go fishing. Yes. It was cold, though. Got clothes for it. I know, but it's cold. I stuff you in a rod locker. Okay. <laughs> stuff you in the rod locker. I, I stick you in a rod locker till we get to where we're going. How's that? You do that. Okay. All right. I could probably get you in a rod locker. You probably could. Live well. Oh, okay. That might I be a little harder. Lip you and pull you out. <laughs> Lip me and pull me out. <laughs> I stuff you in the front deck. That's it. We got that place in the front deck. I'll I could totally in. actually say that. Yeah, you could. You could. You that could. would be funny. I'm you, sure your fishing friends would get a kick out of that. Oh, they would. You sent a picture of that. They would. But anyway, thanks everyone for tuning in. I hope you're having a great weekend. Uh, you know, Taylor, Thanksgiving is like around the corner. I'm so excited. Food. Food. It used to be I was excited for Black Friday. Now I'm just excited for food. I have a Black Friday here, like. Do you? I do. I do. We gotta start thinking about Christmas presents, y'all. What? So we gotta start thinking about Christmas presents. Not until after Thanksgiving. Sorry. Yeah. I don't do that stuff. Look, you know my stance on Thanksgiving and Christmas. I know. Okay. You know how many houses I've seen with Christmas lights up? I don't care. And Christmas trees in the window. And Christmas got a turkey music. for deep fried turkey this year. Where, um, I didn't tell you. you. Oh, you did get one? Yes. I just went ahead and bought a frozen one. It won't make a difference on the deep fryer. What do you do at 3.15 in the morning when you are not running calls and you go to the gas station to get snacks? What do you listen to on the way? Christmas music. We did that all night the other night. Highlight of my week. I don't care if you say that we can't do that before Thanksgiving. It made me happy. I got my dose of dopamine. Naturally, yeah. Naturally. Exactly. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, let's, uh, do you want to do that now or do you, yeah, go ahead and do that. That's kind of, that's kind of, well, kind of a hee-haw moment. I can now say that stupidest is a word. It was used in an official press release, <laughs> yes. Please. Okay, so this is from the Sportsman's Alliance and it says, Louisiana. State Landry Parish Animal Control Ordinance of 2022 protects rats, okay? <laughs> so, it says, when it comes to the stupidest piece of legislation ever introduced in the name of animal welfare, the State Landry Parish Council in the state of Louisiana will consider a proposal which has achieved the high honor of being the most radical animal cruelty proposal ever introduced, while at the same time being the dumbest. In honor of this high achievement, the Sportsman's Alliance will spend the next seven days leading up to the vote 
on on the measure highlighting the seven stupidest ideas in the so-called Animal Control Ordinance Act of 2022. (laughs) So, stupid idea number one, protecting rats. That... ACO is a whopping 30-plus pages of the new law, making criminals out of the law-abiding, but perhaps the absolute stupidest aspect of the proposal is that it fails to exempt pest control from what is considered animal cruelty. So when you're trying to keep roof rats out of your attic, you'd better be careful because St. Landry Parish's new law, if approved, would consider rat killing an, an act of animal cruelty. <laughs> and it opens up the potential for criminal charges and fines. Well, do you have to catch and release them? I guess. Get a have a heart trap, trap them in the, in the den and release them outside, huh? that? You know how big rats can get? You know what kind of diseases they can carry? Uh-huh. That's, that is pretty, that's pretty stupid. That's pretty stupid. That's You're pretty right. stupid. Stupid. Stupidest in their opinion. What's uh? Ah, heck, we ain't got any far. We're not getting. We'll get the calendar next time. Okay. We said Thanksgiving was getting closer. It is getting closer, and we'll start the. Well, well, yeah. I hate to start. Okay. But then we're not going to get stupid law number two in this whole thing. While we're at it, while we're just going to do this, okay. So, stupid idea number two, the ACO bans dogs riding in cars. The reader would be forgiven if this headline strains credibility because who on earth would want to outlaw one of the most memorable images any dog owner enjoys of driving down the road with their trusty companion hanging their head out of the window enjoying the cool air? As long as it's not in the front seat with you or, like, the driver's seat with you. That's a that's a safety hazard. Just saying. Continue. Stick in the mud. Continue. <laughs> that is exactly what the ACO would do if St. Landry Parish adopts the ACD on November 16th. Any person who intentionally or with criminal negligence carries or causes to be carried a living animal in or upon a vehicle or otherwise in a cruel or inhumane manner shall be guilty of cruelty to animals. Who determines whether putting your animal in a vehicle is a cruel or inhumane act? Is this going to be the police? Is this animal yeah. control? I think. Is this are the is, is this the members of the St. Landry Parish Board? <laughs> Jeez, Louise. How about you ask the dog if it's, if they feel like they're being abused when they I get mean, to go on a car ride? If, if the dog's got his tongue hanging out and his head sticking out in the window the tail and tail butt going all over the place, I'd say it's not animal cruelty. <laughs> I mean, I can understand if you if you made an ordinance that leaving a, uh, uh, a dog in a car with windows rolled up in July and August. Oh, yeah. And it was, yeah I understand that, but just putting a dog in a car... Okay, beyond me. All right. We're going to go ahead and get this out of the way, Tanner, while we're at it. What's that? Ah, yes. Ah, boy, get rid of one dish for Thanksgiving. Okay, so get this. There are nine of them. You ready? Number one's turkey. Number two's rolls. Number three is baked beans. 
Number four is mac and cheese. You'd get rid of the turkey before you get rid of mac and cheese. Yes, I would. Number five, squash casserole. Six, greens and cornbread. Seven, corn casserole. Eight, stuffing and cranberry sauce. Nine, mashed potatoes and gravy. So if you had to get rid of one dish for Thanksgiving. I'd get rid of that corn casserole. casserole. I Listen, all I need is mac and cheese, mac and cheese, and mac and cheese. That's about it. That's about it. See, I have a hard time here. I'm split. I love stuffing. I don't like cranberry sauce. You don't? No. Does it have to go together? No. Well, it is here. Well, it doesn't have to go together. And then over there, they've got greens and cornbread. I like cornbread. I don't necessarily like greens for Thanksgiving. Eat your vegetables. Yeah, you just got through saying all I need is mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac, mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is actually and a vegetable. Gonna, it is not. Have you gone to like a meat in three place? It's not and, a vegetable. And it's it, it, not a vegetable. And it's like it's included when you get a veggie plate. It's not it a is, vegetable. It is included in a veggie plate. It's a pasta and a dairy product. It is not a vegetable. It's Sorry. It's included in a vegetable. I don't care. Plate. It's not. No, it's not. I see it. I, I, if I had to get rid, of, I have to get rid of the baked beans. I, I'm confused. Who has baked beans for Thanksgiving? I don't know. I've never does. really heard of that being a popular Thanksgiving. Yeah, but I don't like the cranberry sauce. Mm. I like, I like, I like giblet gravy on my, giblet. my stuffing. Yes. Funny word. Giblet, giblet gravy or whatever. Giblet. And I like greens and like cornbread, just not necessarily moving together. I'd have to get rid of the baked beans. Sorry. Mm. Be my. Yeah, I, I'm turkey. I'm deep frying a turkey this year. I, I've missed it the last few years. Folks, at one time I was doing 15 every, every Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was heaven. For everybody. And I enjoyed it, but no longer. I cut myself off in the last segment. <laughs> We're too busy talking about food. This is what we mean when yeah, we talk and I just, about food. I was staring at the timer and just like... Well, I was kind of one out. I was like, okay, you do you. It's okay. It's food. We were in like a food coma. Okay. Talking okay. about food. Okay. All right. I'll give you that one. Okay. Give me that one. Yeah, I kind of cut myself off. Fortunate. Fortunate. Man, I'm so ready for Thanksgiving now just so I can stuff my face. Thanksgiving is like Thanksgiving and Christmas, and like when we go back over to Grandma's for leftovers, uh, three or four that, days in a row. That's when I'm like, I don't feel ashamed to stuff my face, and then you just don't <laughs> eat for three days after. You know, I said don't eat. Like you have like yeah. cereal. You know, like you just don't feel like eat. I don't feel like eating after Thanksgiving. I do. I don't. Look, I'll, I'll eat leftover dressing, gravy, and turkey for as long it's and squash casserole and all that stuff for as long as it's around. Well, see, my problem day is... Day after day after day. I have no problem eating that stuff for four or five days in a row. It's always, you know, it's just green meats and squash casserole and, and all that stuff that's left over, but never the mac and cheese. The mac and cheese is never left over. So what do I resort to? Craft mac and cheese out of a box. <laughs> When you come off of homemade mac and cheese at both grandparents' house. To to box. Box, it's not. It tastes so processed. It's not made with it love. It is processed. It's not made with love. No, it's not. 
Ugh, the mac hungry. and cheese we have on Thanksgiving is made with lots of love. Oh, it is. Lots and lots mm. of love. Crusty part right along the edge of the casserole <laughs> dish to the gooey part on the inside. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah, we, we like mac and cheese. It. I know. Uh, it's time for the calendar events. Brought to you by Capital City. Lake Murray Country. Where we had a good time the other day. Who's we? Well, we went down there and did the show down there. That was fun. Oh, that We had was a ball fun. with them. Uh, the local hiker over here in Spartanburg, South Carolina, rode by there the other day when I, they were visiting you at school. Did you? Yeah, they're right there on Main Street. Just, just right up from campus. The local hiker? Uh-huh. Hi, hi, hiker? Local hiker. Right wow. there. Wow. And, uh, they're having their meetup hike on Saturday the 19th, Pisgah National Forest hike at the Daniel Ridge. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna hate to do this. Glasses are coming out, for, oh, not at the end of your nose. Yes. Oh, no. You look like the librarian that works at school. Another month, another hike. We'll offer a hike through Pisgah on the Daniel Ridge Loop. Hike is about five miles with 900 feet in elevation change. We'll break for a light lunch or snack in a scenic spot. It should be a chilly morning, but remember we'll warm up once we start moving, so layer up. Time and location is November 19th, 9 a.m. Pisgah National Forest. It gives you GPS coordinates for that. As with all our hikes, we'll meet the trailhead at 9 a.m. Generally head out early at 9.15, 9.20. Bring plenty of water and snacks and a light lunch. Trekking poles as needed because this trail is slightly rocky. And uh, they give you directions. And you can register at the local hiker. Who else is ready to watch Elf? I like Elf. Santa! Oh, my gosh! Not until after Thanksgiving. Oh, come on. But, 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 but Fishers of Men is putting oh, on their is, oh, Santa yes. Claus tournament on Lake Norman. After Thanksgiving, too, if you look at the date, silly. Oh, by two days. Still. Two days. After Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter. Right, Thanksgiving is on the 24th, yes? I don't know. Is it? What Thanksgiving's on? I, I can't remember. Anyway, so yes, Fishers of Men is putting on their Santa Claus tournament on Lake Norman, and it is a toy drive for Toys for Tots. So it's a hundred dollar or hundred fifty dollar entry fee. You can bring a gift, and each new toy donation earns a ticket for a door prize drawing. And then each angler in costume, because in this one you dress up as your best Santa Claus look. Yes. Um, each angler that dresses up is entered into a cash drawing. Um, there are some, let's see, there's some extra registration fees. And $5,000 for first place. You can go to Fishers and Men to find more details, but it is Saturday, November 26th. That's really a cool thing. Last year they did that. I think it's the largest fishing tournament with Santa Claus. Is I, I would love to just be like a, a resident on that lake and just like getting up in the morning, drinking my coffee, and look outside, and I just see a bunch of Santa Clauses running down Blasted the lake. Blasted by boats <laughs> and all. I wonder how many people have lost their beards running down the lake. <laughs> or hats. <laughs> or hats. Yeah. That's right. You would lose me if one. But there were some hilarious concert costumes there last year. Uh, Riverbank Zoo. Lights at Riverbanks, lights before Christmas. We, we we swerve off the path every once in a while, and, and Christmas is one of those times it just happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to go to the zoo, 
Uh, they'll have lights on select evenings in November and December from 5 to 9. And um, they're going to have the lights on November 19th and 20th, which is a Friday-Saturday. Wednesday the 23rd, uh, 25th, 26th, 27th, which is a Friday through Sunday. And again on November 30th, uh, bring the kids in the camera, stroll through the brilliantly lit zoo featuring one million lights. Discover giant illuminated animal lanterns, uh, wander through Winter Wonderland, shop at Santa's Village, uh, hop aboard the Gingerbread Express, ride the candy cane carousel. <gasps> Sounds like Elf, ride the candy cane thing. Enjoy s'mores and hot cocoa, the Jingle Bell bonfire, and much more. Again, that's Riverbank Zoo. It just kind of gets you in the mood. What was the list that... He made for him and his dad. It was like, we can cuddle, and we can eat sugar plums, and we can make a snowman. And <laughs> I just like the spaghetti with the maple dressing and oh, all that. Oh, it makes me want to throw up every time I see that. Also, if y'all hear something in the back that is... It's Sophie it, it's snoring. Sophie. She's snoring. It, I don't know how she snores out loud. Um, <laughs> I do. She's what do y'all want to do on Black Friday? After y'all have stuffed your face full of food, y'all want to go fishing. <laughs> so Lake Kiwi's having their Black Friday tournament at a mile creek on the 25th at 6.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. $70 entry fee, five fish limit, 12-inch size, uh, no live bait, artificial lures only. Um Wish I'd give y'all a website to go find more information, but... It's a Facebook page. Oh, it's a Facebook page? Yeah. So is it Lake Kiwi? Yeah, Lake Kiwi, some okay. bass fishing. But, yeah, again, that is November 25th. Uh, is that Black Friday? Yep. South Carolina State Parks has a challenge for you. Free admission to all South Carolina State Parks on Friday, November 25th. This year on Black Friday, we challenge you and yours to hashtag... Opt out SC, opt outside SC, and enjoy South Carolina State Parks. Admission will be free at State Parks in South Carolina Friday, November 25th, including two tours at our three historic homes. That would be Atalaya, Hampton Plantation, I can't remember the third one. I don't know. Uh, the promotion encourages people to spend some time in the great outdoors the day after Thanksgiving. Work off some of that turkey and dressing and mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoy time in our parks on this. Make sure to post pictures to social media using the hashtag, hashtag OptOutSideSC. Very cool. South Carolina State Parks is having a live Birds of Prey in Flight gathering at Myrtle Beach State Park. Um, you're going to be surrounded by all these different kinds of birds doing their flying techniques, and you're going to see them get to hunt. It's November 19th, 1 to 2 p.m. Um, meet in, let's see, this is an overflow, overflow parking bus parking lot. Um, what to bring, don't bring your pets, <laughs> so really not what to bring. Um, no smoking, bring a chair, dress for the weather. And parking, we'll see. There is a park price, but it doesn't say. Yeah. And it says bring four canned food items per person because they're going to be donating those to Low Country Food Bank of Myrtle Beach. Um, 
what they need, tuna and canned meats, peanut butter, low-sodium soups and stews, um, canned fruits and vegetables, and 100% fruit juice. And I highly recommend going to see Birds of Prey because we have seen them at Seaweed that's, before. That's a staple at Seaweed. And it is amazing. It's not. It's not just that the birds are flying around. It's the, it's the people talking about the different birds mm-hmm. and what they're doing and all that. Okay, so I have another. One. Are you all out? I'm out. Oh, okay. Empty, so, cha- empty chamber. We're kind of on like a food kick today. I feel okay. like. But the South Carolina Oyster Festival is going to be here on the 27th, 11 a.m. to Columbia. 6 p.m. It is in Columbia. They're going to have music all day. Uh, so it's $15 a bucket. Is that right? Yeah, for, for a bucket of oysters, of oysters. $15. Bucks. And what's the, what's the main restaurant? Uh, Pearl's Oyster Bar okay. in Columbia. Um, they're going to have oyster shooters, fried oysters, and oyster gumbo. And they're also going to have stuff. And they're also going to have a lot of other fried stuff inside the, inside the festival. festival. They're going to have arts and crafts. It's... Okay, this is where I can't. Okay, so it's five dollars in advance. Yep. Ten dollars at the gate yep. and free for kids under twelve. Yep. So I'm trying to read Daddy's handwriting, and if y'all have ever seen my father's handwriting, you know it is a little oh. hard to read times. But it also says bring your own oyster knife. What does that say? B y o o k. It doesn't. That doesn't oh, you're really. You're good, but it doesn't work like. It doesn't really yeah. work. No. That worked. Okay. Sorry. I tried. You did. You tried mightily, and you failed mightily. <laughs> I failed. It's okay. I'm a disappointment. Oh, Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, but yeah, oysters are on the... It is it is November, so this is a month. They say the oysters are good. Uh, the, the the hurricane has... Livingston is out of shrimp right now because the hurricane. They didn't... Boats did not go back out. Uh, they should be back out sometime first of the week. And hope to be back in port with more fresh shrimp at $4.50 a pound head on. Mm. 50 pound minimum. So, but yeah, so I got to go down to Monk's Corner and I'm going to go on down and pick us up 50 pounds of shrimp. What is it, Forrest Gump? Shrimp gumbo, shrimp shrimp burger. (laughs) Okay. Y'all hang on. We'll be back more south. Woods and Water South on the other side. Shrimp, 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 shrimp. Welcome back to the show. Sorry, I was trying to look something up on my phone. This song makes me happy. He's about to be on the lake. Coming through the Bluetooth speaker. That's right, this is on your playlist. Good song. Um, mm-hmm. We originally had a guest for today. I think this is the first on the show. Uh, I sent him to the hospital for surgery. You sent him to the hospital. I did. That's, I didn't do that. But, <laughs> but uh, Jacob Basaker was going to be with us to talk about uh, Waymaker Off-Road Wheelchairs. And we had scheduled this a couple weeks ago. And when I touched base with him, he said, oh, man. He said, I had to have some surgery. And I'm just not up to it. 
can we reschedule? So we are, we have, we are going to reschedule with him. I told him no problem. Hope feel better soon. Did not feel like ringing the three or four people that I've got on down the line, you know, to come on the show. So Taylor and I just said, well, we've got some stuff we can talk about. <laughs> that was punny. What? Right on down the line. That was the name of that song. <laughs> yeah, well, Good job, Dad. I'm just on it. You are just on it. Um. So, anyway, so yeah, we 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 have, but but he'll be back on. I told him, hey, just just get better, feel better, get better. He they did post something at the end of last week that they had done their hundredth wheelchair delivery, hmm. which is pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Um, it is deer season. Deer are amazing animals. Well, Absolutely sometimes they're amazing. a little smarter than the hunter. They, uh, <laughs> I got the dig. It's okay. I got the dig. I'm glad you did. I've had to. I've had to share the. Everybody's been asking, ah, "How's your deer season going?" And I can't well, lie. And I'm like, "Well, you know, I missed. <laughs> I've missed four times my entire life, and now in the space two weeks, I've missed an additional four times." Well, you know, I post something on my outdoor account. About, um, you know, getting in the woods. How's everybody? How how's everybody? Uh, how, like how's your season going? And somebody commented and said, "Safe, yes. Successful, no." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Feel that." Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's um, National Deer Alliance seven facts about deer vision hunters should see. Everyone, this is this this will just blow your mind. Now just look, you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, be a deer hunter to appreciate this. We all know about the deer sense of smell, uh, hearing and all. Eyesight is something totally different. So, um, and the picture's in here by Tess Randall Jolly, which is incredible. She takes some incredible pictures. So, the University of Georgia Deer Lab did some studies. They compiled the seven most important facts for deer hunters to know about deer vision. And look who's awake and running around looking for attention other than Sophie. Just go lay down. She's probably going to go outside, but she can, she can wait the break. Okay. This, is, this I found really, really interesting, Taylor. Deer have low visual sharpness. They can see an object 20 feet away in daylight with the same clarity. They can see it at 60 feet. So 2060. Deer's eyes, deer eyes have pupils that are wide, horizontal slits, as you can see in the image above. Not there. If you were looking at the article, you'd see that. Uh, the shape allows them to let in more light than human pupils can, especially as they open wider and low-light conditions. It is also important to detect a movement across a wide horizontal view where danger is most likely to appear. While this pupil shape helps them monitor a broader area, they sacrifice sharpness. Normal human eyesight is 20-20. Deer have a normal daylight eyesight of about 20-60, which means they see three times less clearly than humans. If you've ever made contact with a deer for what like seemed like an eternity, it is likely because they are trying to figure out exactly what they're looking at. Who are you? Well, you see it all the time. Who are you? <laughs> you, you see it. 
Where they look at you for yeah, some I mean, and then they finally run? Well, they either run or they just kind of shake their head and put it down and try to get you moving. Or you have that, that one dooe that looks at you and then you're like, okay, I'm in the clear, and she starts stomping and blowing uh, yeah, at yeah, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you, you move. Which is what they pick up on. Uh, 26 division. All right. Here's the, here's it. Deer have 20 times more rods and cones in their retinas, which helps them see in low light conditions at dawn and dusk. Mm. Which is why they, they move. do a lot of feeding and moving yep. in those really, really low light times. Deer and humans both have photoreceptors in their eyes called rods and cones. Rods are more responsible for light absorption or what animals use to see in low light while cones are responsible for color vision and distinguishing fine details. Deer have fewer cones but more rods. Thus, deer see better in low light than we do, but they see with less clarity. They also perceive color differently, which is the next one, blue. Deer see in blue wavelengths 25 times better than humans, but red-orange appears as brown or gray. Which is why we have such thing called field orange. Can deer see blaze orange? The short answer is no. Not in the same way that humans see it. Deer do not perceive the longer wavelengths of color, so oranges and reds appear as brown or gray. Which is interesting because if you look back in deer hunting animals, especially up north, what are they all wearing? Plaid red jackets. Oh, yeah. You know, the... The atypical deer camp picture from the 30s, 40s, 50s, the guys are up there in those red plaid Mackinac jackets. The image comparison above shows us how deer are likely to perceive a hunter's orange vest, vest based on what we know about deer eyes. Now, this article is online at the National Deer Alliance. You can look. Unlike humans, deer do not have built-in UV filters on their eyes, which allows them to capitalize on the additional light for shorter wavelengths, blues, which are more abundant at dawn and dusk. Do you see a pattern here developing mm-hmm. at dawn or dusk? Luckily, this is when deer are most active, giving them a distinct advantage when moving to and from cover. They're incredibly smart animals. Incredibly created, too. Therefore, deer can see blue nearly 20 times better than humans. If you're going hunting, leave the blue jeans at home. <laughs> I don't know. I shot my first deer in blue jeans. Deer can see your blue jeans from <laughs> where <know>. you are. <laughs> okay. 18 times. Deer see nearly 18 times better at twilight than humans. Deer have a layer in the back of their eyes that acts as a mirror. Any light that is not absorbed when it first enters the eye is reflected back across the rods. So it's like recycling the light. This allows deer to use the same light twice. Did I just not say that? I'm brilliant. While humans only get to use it once, but the shape and location of this reflective layer is adapted to use light coming from the horizon, which is strongest at dawn and dusk. Deer are not nocturnal. They are best adapted to the crepuscular, crepuscular, C-R-E-P-U-S-C-U-L-A-R, active around dawn and dusk. They see about 18 times better at twilight than we do. There's that well, dawn or dusk again. Do nice. you know how many deer I could have shot if I could see well at twilight? Oh, oh certainly. Or if the scope would gather enough light. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
four times. Deer can process visual information four times faster than humans, so they detect motion far better than we can. Even though they have lower image sharpness, deer receive and process images nearly four times faster than humans at dawn and dusk, based on tests conducted at the University of Georgia Deer Lab. This means they're extremely good at detecting the slightest movement in their visual field, which is one reason this prey animal has survived for so long. It's almost like they perceive the world around them in slow motion, so distorted patterns and camouflage can help you blend in your surroundings due to a deer's poor visual acuity, but only as long as you remain still. What have I always told you? What's that? Be still. In which case? Any case. I told you to stop the other morning. What was I doing? Well, well, that buck was at the end of the pasture. I told you to stop until I could figure out what he was doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, duh. Um, 300 degrees. A deer's field of vision is enormous. Its only blind spot is a narrow 60 degree space behind the head. This is, this is cool. Because their eyes are positioned to the side of the head instead of the front, which is where prey versus predator, that's the difference in the eye set. Deer have a large field of vision, about 300 degrees to be exact, leaving only 60 behind. That means that unless you're directly behind the deer, they can see you. And it was, what is it? it, that's why they can see so well even when they're eating. Humans only have a 180 degree field of view, but we have greater binocular overlap, which also helps with focus. Deer sacrifice clarity and focus for the ability to take danger in almost every direction at once. Here's your, here's your, 50, here's your horizontal field of view. 50 degrees, to maintain a horizontal view of 50 Horizontal field of view, a deer's eyes, oops, over on time there already. Okay. Um, okay, we'll just let this go then until the next segment. Russ has only got one, one more, one more. I only got one more. So I'll pick it up, and you got some stuff you want to do. Okay, so just incredible. This is why deer... See you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and why you don't see them. Exactly. So, anyway. All right, hang on. We've got more woods and water cycle on the other side. Welcome back to the show. Last segment. Uh, picking up with the National Deer Alliance article on the uh, what is the seven facts about deer vision hunters should see. Uh, what is, did you get that? Mm-hmm. Seven facts about deer vision hunters should see. They even put it in the title. <laughs> okay, so the last one, and this is this is this is one that always. It used to work for me. Then I wonder why I got busted so many times. A deer's eyes can rotate about 50 degrees in opposite directions. When they lower their heads to the ground to feed, this keeps the pupils aligned with the horizon and maintains the wide field of view even when their nose is pointed downward. They can still see you move. The trick is called cyclovergence and was studied by the University of California, Berkeley. Other ruminants like horses and goats can do it too. 
So even if the deer's head is down feeding, but you can still see its eye don't move. Hmm. Pretty cool. Kind of creepy when you think about it. It is. Nature, nature is just full of, full of all sorts of stuff. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've talked enough. Your turn. Well, I have an article here from, who is this from? Oh, it's a, it's a news article. So, it's out of Carlton County. And this is something that no, no deer hunter, no hunter in general, and any first responder is going to cringe at. Um, man accidentally shot while hunting. It doesn't say how or anything like that, but it says it is under investigation after a man was reportedly shot um, on accident while hunting over the weekend. The accident occurred around Saturday morning when emergency officials were called to respond around 10.20 a.m. Um, it says the man and other hunters met with the responders. Um, the man suffered non-life-threatening injuries and was taken to the trauma center but it is under investigation. So, we, like, I've always been taught, don't shoot at anything that's skylined. Don't shoot at anything you can't see the full picture of. Um, and always be aware of your surroundings when you're moving through the woods. Don't, again, don't know how this happened, but you have to wonder... Was he not taking the right precautions if he was moving through public land, or, you know, or you know what, what was that other deer hunter seeing or whoever shot him? Were they shooting blind? You, know, you just you don't just know. don't know. But you have to be so careful, yep. and we stress that a lot. And Daddy, you have an article. Another thing we stress a lot. Oh, I'll get I'll get to that later. Okay. I was gonna say I was just gonna throw this out. I got a little blurb from the Boone and Crockett Club, and I've sent a lot of nice bucks this year, and a lot of people saying, hey, where can we go get scored and stuff like that? Well, you got to let it dry, and then you can take it scored. 60-day drying period. Uh, the first real place to take it is the Palmer Sportsman Classic in March, where they have deer scoring there at the Classic, and you set up. But, but anyway, so the Boone and Crockett Club, they're not giving you their official, you know, to get – measure for BNC. It's got to be official, measured officially by one of their people. But they have made available their online scoring calendar, calculator. So if you go to Boone and Crockett or Boone-Crockett.org backslash online dash scoring dash calculator, it'll take you that. It's funny. You pull up the trophy type, scroll almost to the bottom, and you got Typical whitetail, no non-typical whitetail, and when you plug it in, it comes up and it shows you where to measure, how to measure, and then it actually lets you input all that information into their scoring thing, and it'll spit out a total score at the bottom. Hmm. So, just in case anybody wants to green score their trophy or whatever, kind of get an idea. Before you go on Cyclone Deer Hunters and troll everybody going, well, you think this one scores? You can kind of know. You can, you can kind of know. You can kind of know. Okay, so switching gears from 
hunting season. Yes. We're talk. We're looking forward into 2023 for the Bass Pro Tour roster. And again, we have you know Came out this some week. of our favorites. And we did discuss a little bit the last show about the new. Um, yeah, five biggest the fish. New scoring. Yeah. That they're having. Um. We said we have heard some good feedback. Yeah, I, yeah. I've talked to a few, um, a few media members. Uh, a few of the uh, MLS guys themselves, and they like it. They like it. I'm warming up to the idea. Be interested to see how the fans like it come, what, January, February? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the, the anglers I've talked to, which are a couple of guys here in South Carolina, and i talked to some of my media friends both here in South Carolina uh, Memphis, Tennessee, Alabama. Talked to several of them just to get their idea, and and uh, they all think it's a great move. I think it'll be interesting. It will be. I think we need to get in there and start it to actually for me to develop an actual opinion. Okay. All right. So we, we who are our, our major league fishing guys from South Carolina? Um. So Casey Ashley from Donald, South Carolina. We have not talked to him in a in a while. I've talked to him several times. We tried. He just. Uh, he does not like this part of his job. Well, I understand that. Yep. Anthony Gagliardi, which is somebody we very often keep up with, out of yep. prosperity. Yep. Flipping the page. We have Andy Montgomery, who we also keep up with. Yeah. Out of Blacksburg. Andy. Yep. Britt Myers, Lake Wiley, South Carolina. Marty Robinson, haven't talked to him in a while either. And that's about all the South Carolina guys we that's have. It. Um, Mitchell Mitchell did really well at the tackle Mitchell warehouse. Second, didn't second. He? Yes. Mitchell Robinson, he uh He's gonna be I've one known, to watch, folks. I've known Mitchell for a very, very long time. And he definitely has taken after his dad. He is absolutely killing it. He I was he could probably fish his dad on the table. <laughs> he was <laughs> signed with Lander. Full ride was and, it, and was it to Lander though? I think it was Lander. And decided he wanted to go off on his own and Fished some opens and then ended up on the MLF. That's never looked back. And he is, I mean, he, yeah. I saw that on Instagram the other day. And I said, what the heck? Yep. <laughs> yes, he can fish. He can fish. But they got some some big names that are fishing again. Um, yeah. Uh, Edwin couple Evers, of, yeah, there's, there's. Which was, he was 2019 AOI. Yeah. Uh, All the normals are there. The, the two biggest ones I'm on, Miss Shaw Grigsby. Yeah. He retired. I always enjoyed talking to Shaw. Shaw had some land down around Orangeburg, and he enjoyed eating it a little. His land, I think, it was at St. Matthew's, but he went into Orangeburg and ate at what once was a Hardy's, I think. It was a Thai place, and uh, he, he was funny about that place. That was the, that was where he was going to go eat if he was up at his hunting club. <laughs> so, miss seeing Shaw around. Miss seeing a few other guys who are retired this year. Um, speaking of retirees, Larry Nixon, the general. The general. I still remember that first picture I got with him. Yep. He is going to the Elite Series this year. It's crazy. With the, with the Tackle Warehouse, because Larry fished FLW for a long time, uh, the Tackle War, the, the old FLW tour, and he, um, he, through a legend exemption, is going to fish the Bassmaster Elites this year, which is going to be fun to watch him see him 
again oh, on that stage. So, good stuff. And now, guess what? You're caught because you've only got two minutes. Yeah, you go ahead and, and you do got that lots of stuff. Other article. Uh, yeah, I want to save that. You want to save that? I want to save that. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Just do the other one. I'll do this one. Okay. Outdoor Recreational Roundtable. There's, there's, it's ORR. Um, all sorts of people out there tracking the outdoor industry. And this is another one. Record-breaking numbers, outdoor recreation, and a whopping $862 billion industry, according to new government data. So the U.S. Department of Commerce's Bureau of Economic Analysis has released economic data for 2021, exhibiting outdoor recreation's powerful and positive economic impact on the U.S. economy. These new numbers show outdoor recreation generates $862 billion in economic output and 4.5 million jobs. This means the outdoor recreation economy contributes more to the U.S. economy than oil and gas extraction, mining, and agriculture. Is that not crazy? Mm-hmm. The report includes national and state-level data. This is the fifth consecutive year that BEA has released government data on this critical industry. Uh, it, uh, let's see... Uh, they, they say a lot of it had to do with COVID. We know that was the fact. But what we're seeing is that some of those numbers are staying up. Not crashing like we had expected, but uh, key highlights, $860 billion, 1.9% of G- GDP, 4.5 million jobs, trips and travel coming back, record sales in many outdoor segments, manufacturing increasing as well as the drive to continue to recreate for quality of life, allowed our industry to bounce back from the effects of COVID-19 in 2020. Mm-hmm. And going to, they got quotes in there with Jessica Turner from Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, uh, Michael Happ from uh, President and CEO of Winnebago, Chris Metz of Vista Outdoors. Go figure, spells the same way too. Toby O'Rourke, uh, Campgrounds of America, and Chris Dees from uh, President Mercury Marine, Glenn Hughes from ASA, Greg Kirby of the RV Industry Association, and uh, they, they're all it's great, great news, not only for the, the health of the outdoor industry, but uh, that people are, are getting out there. That's important. That makes me smile. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We will have uh, Jacob on talk about the mobile wheelchair that he's got. Until then, though, uh, make time to get out there. Take the back roads when you can. And don't forget the camera. We will see you back here next week. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. I'm gone, cab.